Welcome to the eCore Connections Podcast, where we explore digital transformation, including thriving in a digital first world, modernizing IT through the cloud, aligning IT initiatives with business goals, and the rules of the cloud game. Here's your host, Bruce Guptill. The cloud is a means for business, not an end. So how can we ensure success in modernizing IT through the cloud? Welcome to the eCore Connections Podcast. I'm IT industry analyst Bruce Guptill from Addressable Markets LLC and the Global Analyst Syndicate. And I'm your host for today's conversation about cloud migration, maturity, modernization, and security. There's been a pretty obvious global trend in migrating business software and systems to cloud over the past several years. But it's become obvious that global business disruption has recently pushed even more cloud migration, more aggressively in more areas of most businesses. And a fast-growing part of this is modernizing business systems, software, and processes. That means that business and IT leaders have a lot more issues that should have a lot more conversations about a growing range of challenges. But it's even more challenging to figure out what to ask and where to get the best answers. So today we are chatting with Tom Scott, Tom is with the Open Alliance for Cloud Adoption and the Cloud Security Alliance. And our conversation is going to cover key cloud architecture, maturity, migration, and security issues that enterprise business and IT leaders need to understand and need to know how to work on themselves and with their services provider partners. Tom is a future-focused technologist with over 35 years of technology innovation experience from building workflow solutions to architecting enterprise cloud adoption structures and solutions. Tom's also a multiple patent holder, including for securing multi-cloud workloads and application development in mobile device technology. And Tom is an author and co-author of tons of white papers, models, architectures, and guides ranging from the OACA cloud maturity model to guides for integration and business strategies for cloud adoption. So welcome, Tom. My pleasure, Bruce, and thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I, I truly appreciate it, and I'm very excited about this topic. It's a passion of mine and many of my colleagues to be talking about this, so thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity. Well, let's jump into this combination of maturity and security. And I know both are near and dear to your hearts, and they're incredibly important to understanding what we on the enterprise side need to do, whether it's business, IT, and combinations of leadership. So when it comes to cloud maturity, I need you to define something for us. What is it? <laughs> what do we mean by cloud maturity when it comes to the enterprise side? That's a great question. And I want to add to that the uh, ability to measure the maturity is equally as important as the maturity itself. Mm -hmm. And I'll get into what I mean by that in a moment. So maturity is associated with capabilities. In other words, the ability to consume something to either meet the demand or exceed the demand capability or demand requirements is a level of maturity. So that those capabilities may provide many features and functionalities that a company on paper would love to embrace and adopt. But the practicality of it is that there are components to that adoption that the company may not be ready for. And we break these down to three primary areas, the people, the process, and the technology. And people is really about culture. 
And when we talk about culture, we're saying, is the culture of the support infrastructure capable of consuming this new service, supporting it, and operationalizing it? And those are three big factors that weigh heavily on the success of any consumption model. We talk about process, we say, do I have the capabilities to consume it? Is my endpoints aligned? Are they secure? Are they capable of receiving and or sending the necessary services and and data needed to consume that service? And in terms of technology, do I have the platforms in place? Am I virtualized? Am I in the middle of a P2V migration? Am I working in containers? Those can be very important factors in the consumption model when it comes to my ability and maturity of consuming those services. Tom, before we get much further, let's talk a little bit more about each of these, the people, the process, the technology, or as you phrased it, the culture, the consumption, and the platform capabilities, I think. On the culture front, we're not talking about how the organization works by itself. We're talking about how the everything from the individual users through the organization and the processes, how people communicate, how organizations work, how they're structured, and how they are able to take advantage both intellectually and technologically of what the cloud can do. Is, am I close? Absolutely. And it has to do with the business model. So a business exists for two reasons to make money and to save money, right? And it has to have that ability to be optimized, be efficient, and be capable of still growing and expanding. And that's a very challenging balancing act for a business to take on, especially in adopting a modernized solution or new technologies. Obviously, these things aren't separate, right? So uh, the people, the process, the technologies... We shouldn't think of these things as three separate things. These are all interlocking, if you will, and integrative. When we're talking about the processes and we're talking about the consumption of the use of cloud capabilities, how important is the ability of the organization and the people and the infrastructure to adapt what they're using to how it needs to be used? You know, Bruce, I love that question. I get it asked fairly often when it's uh, when we start thinking about adopting a new platform or a technology service. And that comes down to what is the cost of that adoption in terms of the overhead it brings to the table. We always tend to forget, I think in leadership, that the, the people in the trenches, the teams that are working to keep the lights on, are doing that on a very thin layer. They're stretched and, and sometimes a bit overcommitted to making things continue to work. When you introduce a new technology, a modernization initiative to that environment, it tends to cause chaos and disruption and sometimes failure. So the cultural impact to that has to be in in such a way that the level of maturity for the teams and the individuals that are taking on this new effort are relieved of their current overhead. In some way, it's offset through bringing in outside resources or help or by reducing the number of project deliverables over a period of time in order to adjust for the learning curve needed to take on a new technology. And I think that's often the cultural impact we see when we try to bring new things to an existing process. And that's the challenge I think a lot of enterprises are having today. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that we want people to think about is where and when should we be thinking about bringing in partners to help us to minimize that that chaos, that disruption, that failure? But I do love the term chaos. Thank you for using it. And you know the, the kinds of 
insights and guidance and capabilities that the providers can help us with in order to minimize those things. But before we get to that, we still need to cover one important aspect, and that is something you brought up. How do we measure? How do we assess maturity? Because we can't figure out who to bring in and how they can help us until we understand what our maturity level is or our maturity levels are. Because I'm guessing that there are multiple maturity levels for different types of organizations as well as for the technologies and the systems that they're using. Absolutely. And that's a great point to make. And this is where companies like Ecor and organizations like the OACA that I'm involved in can help bring tools and insight into that process. So measuring maturity is, is a bit challenging because you have to look at it through those three lenses, the cultural lens, the consumption lens, and, and, and the technology platform lens, because different outputs for each of those will be combined in an, a total analysis of the maturity level that a particular enterprise or company has. The other side of it is every company on paper is the best. They want the best. They want the fastest. They want the most. I often remember when we would talk to uh, business teams about, well, how much network capacity do you need? The answer is always, how much do you have? I think the idea is that we always want the best and the most, but that's not always the best fit. And it's a hard lesson to learn between the best solution and the right solution. And sometimes the right solution may not be the best on paper, but it is the best for the current level of maturity that a particular company has. So it's a, it's a process. That's why we go to that process component of building over time the steps towards a goal. And what is that goal? Well, in the CMM model we use in the OACA, we have zero through six uh, levels of maturity that kind of spell out the phases that a company can go through towards reaching an optimized level. But not always is it the best fit. Sometimes you need CMM3 or 4 as your goal because that's a better fit for your business model. And every industry will have a different ideal model or ideal um, maturity level that is appropriate for that particular industry. So are the maturity models then, they're not necessarily determinants of whether or not we can modernize, whether or not we can improve and migrate to the cloud in various forms. It's more of a set of measures to help us understand what we need to accomplish and what we can accomplish now. Is that correct? Yes. And in fact, that goes to the platform comment I made earlier. If I've got a completely physical environment that I'm running, you know, end-tier deployments on and monolithic applications, I don't have the platform for modernization. If I'm in a P to V phase, you know, where I'm now moving to physicals, uh, to virtuals, what percentage am I there? 10%, 50%, you know, that can have a huge impact. And of course, the ultimate stage we like to think of is the V to C, which is the virtual to containers. But that may not be the right fit for all workloads. And that's something I always try to emphasize, is we have to understand the workload for the appropriate solution to be applied. And containerization is not the best for all things. There are some workloads that the physical is a more appropriate you know, implementation, and even in occasions, the physicals, mainframes you know, are still around for good reasons. So those are things to recognize when we look at how we measure that maturity and determine that outcome. 
the architecture that we have or the architecture that we want is a big determinant of this as well. I, uh, you and I uh, had the chance to speak a few weeks ago, and one of the things that we talked about was the need for agility. And uh, I want to dig into what can or should be meant by agility when it comes to architectures and infrastructure. Because when you're talking about workloads, one of the things that we talked about previously was people tend to think about the workloads. They tend to think about the applications, which is important, but we don't always think about the infrastructure and what we can consider infrastructure, what we should consider infrastructure, but also how that's going to need to adapt as the business moves forward and as the workloads and the applications advance. That's a fantastic uh, area to go into. And I'm actually very passionate about this and very close to it from my recent experience. And when we talk about that transformation of architectural uh, design to leverage the infrastructure needed to meet the business demands, we use the term modernization. So you're going to hear this term a lot in modernizing the data center. But it's somewhat of an oxymoron because as you talk about modernizing your data center, there's an investment that that requires, investment in time and materials and people to build out that modernization. Yet, business is demanding that agile capability. And for the modernization process to overcome the cultural changes and challenges, to implement a new platform, to devise new workloads and capabilities within the on-prem footprint that's trying to keep up with the cloud can be counterproductive to that need that business is articulating about responding to market trends and changes and environments on the fly and in real time. So agility is a key component to that. And I think we have to stop thinking in absolutes when it says, well, it's either or. Either we're, you know, we're on data center or we're off data center, or you know, we're going to do processes in, in this way here and that way there. We need to look at things more holistically. And here's where security has a huge role in this. When we talk about securing these environments and creating an agile response to opportunities, how do we do both? And again, we talk about the software-defined solution. Software-defined security or software-defined perimeters are very important capabilities that align with the agile need to maintain business continuity. And in doing so, we have to change that approach from that physical design of building a load balancer or a firewall and configuring it and then putting in tables and rules and, and connection points to a software-defined solution that can be done much more quickly with much more agility. But that takes a huge change. If uh, we look at network engineers today and we now say, hey, you're going to write scripts to do the things you're doing now manually, that change is going to take some time. So we have to kind of look at both sides of the need versus the capabilities to implement that agile response. But things like software-defined solutions is the key to many of those type of capabilities. And when we're talking about agile, we're really mostly talking about adaptable, I think, right? It's uh, how well do we adapt the business? How can or should we adapt what the infrastructure and the systems can do or should do or how they can do it? And this really comes down to how is our environment architected, not necessarily structured, but how is it architected so that we, our services provider partners, our platform providers, software and data management capabilities and so on, how is this adaptable based on things that we might not know yet? Is that, uh, is that a good way to put it? You know, it really is. And, and I, I like the way you, you put that. And, I, and what comes to mind is we have to be conservative in that approach because the adoption of technology that isn't working 
in the context of the consumption model that the platforms and people that are supporting it will fail. It will not be successful. So it has to be an iterative approach. And we find that a lot of traditional enterprises that have a lot of investment in those data centers are very cautious at adopting those changes, but the business is demanding it. So we're seeing this side of the business that's jumping onto a cloud solution off-prem that kind of meets their needs, but maybe is less secure and maybe has more challenges than managing a controlled environment on-prem to retaining that business capability that's currently in place, but isn't meeting the need. So we're, we're sort of seeing sometimes that those bypassed or, or leapfrogged when it comes to how business is adopting technology. So the, the agility is, is changing people. It's changing the way we think. It's changing the way we approach these solutions. Where business acumen around technology solutions is becoming much more fluent, is much more sophisticated. And we're seeing a lot of the traditional technology cultures starting to adopt more of a business model about how agility can create responses to change and opportunities in real time. And pipeline delivery and CICD are great examples of that. This is where DevSecOps and DevOps tools like the Agile Workflows really come into play with providing those solutions. This is an area where we almost always find that, and I hate to characterize it this way as IT and business, but it still is a fundamental set of differences between the two organizations or areas of responsibility in many ways. What we find in our research is that the two sides are typically very well aligned when it comes to these things. We're always agreeing on, yes, we need to be adaptable, we need to be agile, we need to put these kinds of things in place, we need to structure or restructure how we think, how we act, how we work. But they're not often uh, synchronized. All right, so what you get the sense of a railroad track, right? One side is the IT part of the track, the other side is the business part of the track. They're aligned, they're going in the same direction, but they're not necessarily integrated to the extent where they're going to see and do things the same way. So we get different expectations, both in terms of what the systems can do, but frequently, especially with cloud and this software-defined reality, the speed at which we can or should be getting things done. In your experience, are the business and IT leadership expectations of what can be done realistic and more or less aligned? And are there expectations of the timeframes to do this realistic and aligned? I think that's a great point. And I, I look at expectations sometimes turn into assumptions. <laughs> and sometimes those assumptions can lead you astray. So I really feel there's an evolution that's gone on. In my many years of IT work, working in multiple businesses across different industries, I've seen an evolution occur. And, and the evolution was first that there was some gap in knowledge and understanding and concepts in leadership's ability to make technology decisions. And that's changed dramatically. I think there's a vast number of business consumers now that understand the concepts of the technology platforms much better. Yet we still see a reactive 
decision-making process. And Cloud First is a great example. I don't know if you remember the Cloud First initiative, but it meant <laughs> Cloud First, no matter what. Yep. And all of a sudden, oh, we got to shut down the data centers. And no more depreciation. And no, we're not going to renew your hardware funding because you have to go to an operational budget now. And how well did that work out for us, Tom? Well, exactly the point, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's lessons learned, right? We learned a lot of lessons. Uh, you can't forklift to the cloud. It's not practical but it can be done. But the, the impact is, is is huge on that kind of migration. So to refactor, re-architect, and reformat takes a lot of strategic thinking. So you need two things. You need to understand your current state. This goes back to that maturity measurement model. And then you have to have a vision. You have to have a future state and a goal that aligns with your industry, your business, your capabilities, and your maturity. And when those are in place, you can then develop roadmaps to those endpoints that you're trying to achieve. This evolution and, and adoption is starting to equal out where we're starting to see, you know, traditional trained components within the architectural community start to evolve into a more agile perspective or view, more holistic view. You know, if you took look at it traditionally, you say, okay, I got a network architect. I have a storage architect. I have a compute architect. Well, that doesn't work today. These teams are merged and they're merged at a software level. And therefore, the architect has to start looking at things more broadly and add things like shift left or a lot of, uh, you know, security tools that are, have to be built in because the speed at which deployments are occurring, security becomes a barrier, becomes a friction to that deployment. So it has to be moved to the front end so that that deployment model is not being impacted by security requirements. This is all transformational. And all this transformation and all this modernization and all this effort is really an evolutionary process. And one of the jobs the architect has is to find what that endpoint looks like. What is the North Star that we're all working towards in my, and I need to know my business to do that. I need to know it intimately to understand what that goal looks like. Well, you have to be pragmatic, I think is the, uh, you know, but, but you have to be pragmatic both from a business point of view and from the technology, the services, the cloud point of view, because on the business side, and this is another thing that you and I have talked about in the past, there's the whole idea of good enough or good enough for business versus good enough to be secure and adaptable. And one of the dangers has been, and you've written about this and talked about this to, to a great extent, there's a danger in assuming that security will be good enough when we get things good enough for business. There's a danger in assuming that adequate security is automatically part of the solution. Why is that still such a danger? Why hasn't the world uh, advanced farther than that? So this is a great area, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's uh, something, again, that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, and that is a business needs to understand what its core competencies are. All too often, businesses, especially ones that have been around a while, want to do it all. They want to build the custom solution because we do things differently. Well, not always in all cases. And what the businesses need to do and start to understand is to define what is a differentiating component of their business, what makes them unique and separates them from their competitors. That's what they need to focus on. Building out overhead and operational tooling is not their core competency. They shouldn't be doing it, in my opinion. And this is where companies like eCore can come in. And other uh, you know, papers that I've written and others that have been produced will usually guide the businesses into reevaluating that self-reflection. And through that self-reflection process, they can start to say, you know what? Email's not 
differentiating. Everyone uses email and it's highly available. I don't need to own an email farm. I'm not going to be better in my competition if I'm doing my own email. That's a service I can consume rather than run and operate. And understanding that model gives the business a really strong advantage in doing what they do best, whatever that happens to be, and not getting distracted through the operational overhead of non-differentiating services. And I think security is one of those services. I think security is a non-differentiating service. I need it just as much as my competitor. We both need encryption. We both need authentication and authorization. We both need those things to be successful as a technology, but it doesn't distinguish us. It doesn't differentiate us. And when we're talking about distinguishing and differentiating, we're talking more about the enterprise as a user of these services and capabilities, not the providers that deliver these security capabilities. Yes, that's the consumption model or approach or utility-based consumption, which says, I'm only going to use what I need while I need it. And therefore, when I'm not using it, it's a much more efficient model because now I'm not paying or providing overhead to a service that I'm not truly using at the time I need it. And that model is one that takes a cultural change to adopt. So is there a truly pragmatic approach, business-focused approach to security that works with cloud migration and modernization that allows the business leadership and the business users to believe and understand that what they're doing and how they're doing it is secure, but without having to worry about it, without you know thinking, oh, I have to use this in a certain way to make my company more competitive. So is there a really pragmatic business approach to security that will work with what we want to do in terms of cloud migration and modernization, regardless of the business that our enterprises are in? There is, and I think it's appropriate security, the right tool for the job. And a good example of this is zero trust. If I say I want to implement zero trust, the initial reaction is, well, I just don't trust anything or anybody. You know, it's a read up so isolated, I can't get to my environments. Trust no one, yes. Exactly. And that's one way to do it, I suppose. But what it really means is know who you're trusting, know why they're there, what they're doing, why they're doing it for, for whatever reasons, for whatever period of time, and to what level. The granularity that security can provide today helps to offset that pragmatic approach of, well, I have to be practical about this. I can only do so much with what I have because I'm, my capabilities aren't there yet. I can start to move those capabilities by understanding how to leverage the tools that are now becoming brought to bear. Uh, I mentioned earlier software-defined perimeters. That's another great example. You know, when I start to control at the software level, I can change quickly and through agility and efficiently to be appropriate to the kind of security I need for the kind of data I have for the kind of use I'm, I'm using it for at the time I need it. And all of those components put together makes me very agile, makes me very uh, um, consumable uh, and reactive to opportunities and, as they come up and as they are becoming more available. Well, we've covered quite a bit in a relatively short amount of time. We have a few minutes left in our uh, time together today. So I want to ask my favorite concluding question, Tom. So your best friend is now responsible for a cloud migration and modernization initiative for their enterprise. You have to give them advice. What are the first two or three things that you want to make sure that they understand? What do you tell them? That the totality of any migration is going to be far more reaching than you could ever 
really capture on paper. In other words, as migrations occur, things start to occur that you didn't plan for, that you didn't anticipate and you weren't ready for. So your ability to respond to those changes has to be kind of built into the plan. So if I say, you know, I've got to migrate, you know, 100 applications in in 30 days, I'm going to say it's going to take 60 because I know along the way I'm going to find, oh, guess what? I have a, a dependency to a open source library that's now got vulnerabilities and I can't move forward now with that migration until I fix those vulnerabilities. Complete unknown until I encounter it. That's one thing. And the the other thing is to change expectations to be more realistic to the level of support and responsibilities that a migration has. When we move things to a new location, things aren't really changing. And this is something I always try to iterate. Whether it's a data center on-prem or a data center off-prem, it's still a data center. They're still run on servers. They're still running on hard drives. They're still using NIC cards. It's all the same. It's just how I consume those services that have changed. But the policies, the compliance, the security I implement should be universal. I shouldn't have one set of rules for on-prem and another set of rules for off-prem. That just causes chaos. I need to look at things holistically and see my ecosystem as it is, as a service model, whether it be a server under my desk or I'm consuming a server in another geophysical location. My compliance security, my data access should be treated the same regardless of where the environment exists. Makes sense, and it's very solid advice, Tom. Thanks again for your time today. Tom Scott from the Open Alliance for Cloud Adoption and the Cloud Security Alliance. Tremendous insights and great conversation and a far-ranging conversation. and Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Tom, thanks again for everything today. If people want to find you, where can they find you online? Thank you, Bruce. I'm actually available on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to look for my profile, it's uh, Tom Scott, and I'll be easy to find there in uh, Southern California. And also online for the OACA, the Open Alliance for Cloud Adoption, as part of the Linux Foundation. And the cloud maturity model is available to anyone who wishes to uh, download it and take a look at it. And I appreciate that, Bruce. Thank you. I'm Bruce Guptill, and this has been the eCore Connections Podcast. Thanks for listening to the eCore Connections Podcast. eCore delivers technology consulting and development services that help high growth and established companies innovate, scale, and transform. For more information, visit us at www.e-core.com. You can also email us at connections at e-core.com about any topics or questions that you may have. Please subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.